Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another Eurythmics podcast. This is number 20, and we're going to call this our Eurythmics seasonal festive podcast. It was originally going to be a discussion of Christmas cornucopia, but then we decided to bring in um, all of the other Christmas uh, treats that Dave and Annie have given us over the years, like uh, Winter Wonderland and and Put a Little Love in Your Heart and all that other stuff. But I want to start by saying hi to my podcast co-host, Mark Stevens. Hi, Mark. Seasons, greetings, happy holidays and all that. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a special guest joining us this time, fan Zach Gruber, who is joining us from Florida, um, where I grew up. And now he's living in Florida after being in California, where I am. So it's sort of like we, we just kind of switched. <laughs> Yeah, I'm all over the country. I, I'm so honored to be your guest. I've listened to all your podcasts and they're so entertaining. I love your viewpoints and I'm glad to be part of this today. Great. Well, I'm glad to have you too. We're very excited about this. It's our Christmas podcast or Christmas or seasonal po podcast. It's 75 degrees here on the South Carolina coast. What is it in Florida, Zach? Oh, it's it's pretty warm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm dressed in my Christmas clothes. They can't see them, but uh, I wanted to get in the mood. But yeah, outside, it is it is July summertime, you know, even though we're in December. Yes, I remember those Florida Florida Christmases wearing shorts and T-shirts. Yeah. So what's in San Francisco? Uh, it's about 53 degrees here. Um, we're a little bit warmer because we were having rain. But when we're not having rain, it, it gets pretty cold, like high 20s. Well, we will all try to be in the festive mood, the Christmas mood, despite the fact that none of us have snow outside or anything like that. <laughs> all right. I've got so, fake snow. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's kick this podcast off uh, for the holiday season 2022. Let's start. Let's talk about um, the first uh, Christmas. Well, actually, Mark and Zach. Um, the first Christmas thing we heard from Dave and Annie, was it God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen on the Flexi Disc, the fan club flex, Flexi Disc? On the Flexi Disc for 85 or 86. And I will tell you that I still have a recording of just that little snippet that I still play on my mix of, uh, of Christmas music that she did just on the piano. And I think Dave's intro was something like, and now we're going to Annie where she uh, recorded a Christmas song at great expense. And she's just on her piano <laughs> and she sings a little bit of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, which when I heard that she was gonna do God Rest You Merry Gentlemen for a Christmas cornucopia, I was so excited because right. I loved that little snippet. And she said something very funny at the end of it. You know, she says, it was a part of the lyrics where you go astray. And she said, did you go astray? And huh? 86. In in 88, it was 88, I remember that now. <laughs> okay, and uh, which was a little funny bit, but those flexi yeah. did. But I, that was always such a stunning version of, the, I mean, we only got a few seconds of it, but it was so stunning and her voice was so great on it that just like you, Mark, when I heard that she was gonna be doing that for Cornucopia, I was very excited. And it's completely it, different. Probably different version than what that was, but um, were, Zach, were you a member of the fan club back in the you day? You know, I, I feel like I missed out, even though I would have loved to have heard all those Christmas flexi discs. I didn't even know they existed until the recent Eurythmics Poll 101 oh. extravaganza that happened a couple of years ago when everyone starts sharing all this stuff that I blew my mind. I went, what, what? Um, so no, but I, I really would love to hear those somehow, someday. I think they're on YouTube. You could probably look them up on YouTube. Are they, are they? Okay. Probably, I would think, don't you? I mean, What's a lot is on YouTube, but who knows? It, it sounds so obscure. I can't, I, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I believe also the, you can hear the flexies on Steve's Ultimate Eurythmics site. Is yeah. it there? Yeah, I believe okay. so, he has those. Okay, okay, cool. Wasn't there a, a song that Dave did, The Christmas Gorilla or something? Dave was always doing something crazy and bizarre. Yeah, so that was even earlier, wasn't it? That was even earlier. Gorillas or something. Yeah, which... Christmas Gorillas, right, right. I... So, hmm. and it wasn't meant to be serious or anything. It was meant to be fun, but I mean, that was one of the things. But it did end up, as, as Zach said, it, was, it made one of the songs on the Poll 101. It did not, thankfully place in the top 100 but any song that they did Danny put it into the poll 101 so you yeah. could 
have voted for uh, a Christmas gorilla. Thank goodness it did not make the top one. But uh, anyway, so a very special Christmas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, you know, that's when they, they did Winter Wonderland. And um, what a great song that is. What a great recording. That's just incredible. Mm-hmm. And what a great pop piece from a great album of really great tracks. So you yeah. all talk. Yeah. An album that, uh, no, go ahead, Zach. Well, I love, I think it was track two on, on Very Special Christmas mm-hmm. um, after the Pointer Sisters, which I think opened the album with Santa Claus is Coming to Town. So I remember buying it and playing it over and over. And some of those songs were not my cup of tea, but I flipped out for Eurythmics and it got a lot of radio airplay. It, it was almost given so much radio airplay when the album was released that it felt like the single kind of. Uh, at least where I was living, I was in New York City at that time, and they were playing it quite a lot, maybe more than any of the other tracks on that album. I was also a huge fan of Alison Moyet's Coventry Carol and Sting's The Angel Gabriel message. Um, there's some really good songs on that album. But Eurythmics, something that I found especially magical about Winter Wonderland is it was released sort of shortly around after Savage, very similar time period as Savage. And I can hear the intro almost to shame in the Winter Wonderland sound. There is this twinkling sort of spiraling gentle, it feels like snow, it feels like bells, very magical sound that feels very savage to me. And I love that. Uh, Even the beginning when she's over the ground lies a man, there's this swirl of sound behind her, which is definitely synthesizers, probably the savage synthesizers that feels very Beethoven to me, actually. Yeah. I remember um, Whitney Houston, who's on the album, gave an interview and she said, all of the songs on the album are very representative of each of the artists, you know, um, it they sound like each of those artists, but while also being a Christmas song, and I would say that about the Eurythmic song, it um, it sounds like Eurythmics, but it's also a Christmas song. What what I love about it is is the harmonies that she's doing with herself. You know, um, you know the dual harmonies going on while she's singing is just so beautiful. And those and those like keyboards that Dave and it, maybe it's Annie doing the keyboards, but those kind of like keyboards that are just like all through the song. It's just so magical and it flows so well. And um, it's funny, it didn't get a lot of airplay in this area initially. So I'm, I'm interested, I was interested to hear that you heard a lot in New York. It wasn't until years later, Mark, I mean, how many years later was that when it finally took off? Remember when it became the number one Christmas song for several years in a row? Yes. And yeah. that was like 15 years later or something. Yeah. So I, was, I, I was just reading about that yesterday, you know, that Winter Wonderland in the last few years has become the most popular um, Christmas song that's played worldwide. And that specifically it said, uh, Eurythmics version was one of those. And they, they got a bunch of ASCAP awards or something each year for that Winter Wonderland. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, I was at a work party last night and the DJ played it. <laughs> so, and I was like, yeah, Eurythmics. I didn't ask it either, you know, it just came on. You know, every year I hear it somewhere in a store or. Uh, I do too. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's a, and I was, Bobby Shriver had written something on the very special Christmas website. And, uh, and it, it mentioned how big the album was and how the big push was and that MTV played the run DMC and the U2 music videos nonstop. And AM records organized play on radio stations everywhere. Everywhere, The result, he wrote, uh, the album sold millions during the 1987 Christmas season. Every Christmas party had a copy and heavy rotation. The su- success, both financially and musically, was simply stunning. And as one contributor put it, who knew, who knew this cause could bring together so many great artists recording what turned out to be Christmas classics, and no, no, we all uh, now we all know, um, and that's on. And of course, all the proceeds from all of the very special Christmas albums, and there have been twelve since. Uh, 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 there have been twelve of very special Christmas albums. I don't think any of them have ever, ever come close to the magic 
that was that original album. I agree. Right. And I, and I have several of them. None of them, none of them match it, but I do. Uh, and you know, Jimmy Iving, who just was inducted into the hall of fame along the same night as Eurythmics, but of course he was the producer. And uh, I remember him talking in an interview back in the day that, uh, you know, they were asking the artists that agreed to do it. Well, what song do you want to do? And he said, I asked it. And they, David and Annie immediately said, uh, Winter Wonderland, that they knew what they wanted to do. And that was it. That's what they were going to do. And man, they picked the best song. Somebody said to me once, he said, oh, I, I just I, I like it, but I don't like uh, where they added the uh, uh, they added their own verse to the beginning. I'm like, no, that's the original right. verse. Most people, yeah. out, they don't, they cut that part out, but I think Doris Day made it famous. Did it, that is the original opening verse, which I really appreciated them putting that there as the intro because it brought it back into the mainstream of knowing that verse. Yeah, and, right. and the lyrics are so beautiful and, and there's a fun playfulness also with it. Uh, sometimes your rhythmics can get you know, they, they love to get dark, but this was them being very playful and light and Christmassy. And it was so, and it is so magical and enchanting. Yeah. And I love it. I love everything about Winter Wonderland. Those are two great words to describe that magical and enchanting. That's what you feel like when you hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's so, it just flows so beautifully and it's so soft and, and it's just, it's amazing. I, I, I like her, um, the improvising she does towards the end when she's like tell it like it is you know it's, it's just so yeah. fresh and fun yeah, the, and the scat scene and slipping and sliding and here we go oh it's so and, great in the cold cold snow and- it makes me want to be in the cold cold snow you know and and here i am in florida far from it but i really i hear that and i'm in the cold cold snow with her now, going yeah. back to, you said it reminded you a little bit of Savage, you know, when she's doing those vocals, you know, uh, won't you come, won't you come, won't you come? That's a, that all is, you're right. I mean, it was done around the time of Savage. So there's a lot of of that influence in there. Of, of mm-hmm. They had just written Savage or whatever. They may have been recording it. And so. And it would have been wonderful there. if they'd made a music video of Winter Wonderland yeah. with their Savage technology and some sort of beautiful Christmas way. It could have been really wonderful. Do you remember that MTV showed up when it came out? They showed a little like promo piece on it. It was a, and Annie was in was in a studio with Run DMC and John Mellencamp and and uh, and they were. I remember they were playing the Run DMC song and Annie and and the guys from Run DMC were dancing around together. I would have liked to have seen that. I didn't see that, no. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really But I remember in poll 101, Winter Wonderland ranked exactly at 101. And I felt it was criminally low. <laughs> I thought, who are these people voting? No, this needs to be higher. Well, maybe like the actual song, it will get higher and higher over the years. Yeah, well, yeah. Like it did here. <laughs> if they ever do another poll, it, I, I hope it rises. I, I think the reason for that, and, and I don't remember where I placed it, but I know I placed it pretty high because I, I think I did, because I, I do adore that song. I think the only reason that it didn't do higher, I think some people probably were reluctant to use the Christmas song over some of the other um, Album actual tracks. Yeah. Right. It, it, that it showed up at <laughs> 101. So at least it made it. Yeah. <laughs> well, did Room 101 show up anywhere on the list? <laughs> yes, oh, it did. Yes, it did. Um, but one, I mean, for a song that is, I don't know, I feel like Christmas isn't Christmas without hearing Eurythmics Winter Wonderland somewhere. And oh, so it has also, to be. also, God rest you, Mary Gentleman. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, we'll get to that. So we should but, probably move on now to um, put a little love in your heart. I want to say real quick, if they had done a video if they had done a video to Winter Wonderland, uh, I think it would be huge because it's it's like uh, Trevor said in that that on that website commentary. Um, they played MTV played the two videos that they had from it. They would have played the Eurythmics, and you oh, know, sure oh yeah, great video. So another sort of missed opportunity in the in the you know, and they were so good at videos mm-hmm. and. 
so such a pity that they didn't do a video. I wish they'd done one. It, it would have been interesting to see how they would have done a video image imagery wise, considering they were known for a certain type of image. And here they are doing a Christmas song. How are they going to soften that image, but yet keep the edge of the edge that they were known for at the same time? I, I, I think it would have looked a little like brand new day video where everything is just so celestial, yes. pretty, right. uh, maybe. Yeah. You're right. I could see her in with the same look that all in yeah, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's move on to put a little love in your heart, which um, was the the uh, the uh, you know theme song or hit single from the Christmas movie Scrooged with Bill Murray, and that was Christmas '88, I believe. Yeah, Christmas '88, and um, that song was Annie Lennox and Al Green, produced by Dave Stewart. So essentially, it's a Eurythmics with Al Green, but. I don't know. Maybe they thought they thought it would do better commercially with the Annie Lennox name. I don't know what was up, or maybe Annie I, Lennox I and Al Green. Record sounds company better. thing. I, uh, I mean, I always I always heard the rumor that it was some record company contractual thing, and so they had to have it Annie Lennox, not Eurythmics name. Uh, but but maybe that was not true. I don't know. Yeah, that's my guess. Is that's always been my guess that there was some reason that they couldn't do Eurythmics that it could be an Annie solo thing, and then Dave just produced it and. Because yeah, it's 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 the both of them doing what they do, so it's not like it's not a Eurythmics thing. But yeah, I yeah. think too, you know, it's not really a Christmas song. But I'll say the same thing you just said a moment ago. It's really not Christmas without a pillow of love in your heart, <laughs> yeah. and it gets played a lot at Christmas. Yes, you, can, you always see that one every Christmas. That's for sure. Yeah, it's a pure delight. It's a pure pop delight, and the fact that people would even consider it a Christmas song at all is a testament to our love of uh, cinema because it was the movie, which was a Christmas movie that made it Christmassy. Um, and also it expands sort of what a Christmas song can be. If you have this kind of delightful feel good pop song decades later as it's remade and put into a Christmas movie, all of a sudden it's a Christmas song. I, I, it's amazing how, a, that was written in the 60s, how Put a Little Love in Your Heart in the late 80s is suddenly taking on a new life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, Dave's production is very Christmassy. It's very shimmery and, and you know, tinkly and all that. I love it. It's, yeah. it's, diff it's different from the original version. The original version is more kind of like a little, kind of like, Da, 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 yes. da, it's kind of a driving thing. Whereas this one is more like, you know, da, 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 da. very, very ethereal and kind of. It feels kindred to Winter Wonderland in a way, mm -hmm. in its twinkly lightness. Exactly. They could be and, and Annie and Al, I heard, were not actually in the same studio together. No, no, they never even met. Yeah. But they didn't film wild. They didn't record it together. And then. And just, that's that's the most amazing thing <laughs> that they were never together. But that single sounds like they're in the same room and they're and having a good time yeah. together. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it it was a hit. It was it's actually Annie's biggest solo hit, if you want to call it solo mm -hmm. single. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's number, true. Reached number nine and on the Billboard Top 100. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I've got some other chart positions, 15 on, in Australia, 12 in Canada, nine in Canada on adult contemporary. Um, well, this, I've got something that says top 100 in the U.S. at four. I don't, I think it was nine, but uh, this, and then adult contemporary in the U.S. at number two. But here's one. Did you know that song reached number one? It, um, South African singles charts, number one. Oh, wow. That's, wow. Did not know that. That's cool. I just think it's a great, um, oh, wait, there's more here. Germany, 20. Um, Austria, four. Um, there are different singles that it's given me. New Zealand. It was really good to see Annie Lennox having a song in the top 10 in the late 80s. Right. Because I, I feel like, unfortunately, I don't really understand what happened with radio support or record company support, but the singles they were releasing in the late 80s were not hitting the charts in any sort of big way in the United States. And, and that always broke my heart because those are some of my favorite songs of all time. <laughs> um, 
but I I love that put a little love in your heart did break through into the top 10. I'll I'll take whatever gets successful with Annie Lennox involved. Yeah. Um, interesting here on in Canada, the year in charge for 89, uh, it placed 51st. So it's one of the biggest songs of the year there. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. But uh, right, you know, and all three of us here living in the US and it was you Eurythmics were not on the radio with their new stuff from you know, 87 on and a little bit of Don't Ask Me Why, but not a lot. And, you know, Thorn in My Side from Revenge was not a hit single. Missionary Man was, of course. but They all should have been huge. Yeah. But as we know. Yeah, that was, record, um, there was something with the record label. That's why they, I believe they were not happy and they didn't, didn't re-sign with RCA. They went with Arista and Clive Davis after that. A Bold New Beginning. That's right. Album. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and, you know, Put a Little Love in Your Heart was heavily played on VH1. Oh, yeah. 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 It, 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 and again, let's go back to what I just said a moment ago. That video, you could not turn on MTV or especially VH1 and not see that video. You you were going to see that video. Yeah. Uh, you go back to if there'd been a video for Winter Wonderland, I think we would have seen it constantly. Oh, for but, sure. But Pillow Love did have, you know, uh, a remix um, and a couple of remixes, actually, I think, which I don't think ever they they, they weren't quite as crisp as the, the single or the album version. Um, you know, they're a little bit different. So I, I never thought they were the best of the, re the remixes, but, you know, there's several versions of it out there. But I like the cool B-side on the Put a Little Love in Your Heart single. That's yeah, we really, talked about that in our Deep Cuts podcast. This I time. heard that podcast. Great big piece of love, yeah. Yeah, no, it's really, it's special. It's unusual. Yeah. I We were talking about, you know, it, it harks back to those experimental B-sides from the early days, which I just love. I just love all those experimental B-sides. So do I. So do I. The ones all my friends said, why do you listen to that? <laughs> why are you listening to some guy reciting the alphabet over a synthesizer? I don't know. It just does something for me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on now to um, Dave Stewart put out a, a, a sort of a little Christmas EP back in, I believe it was like 2005 or 2004, somewhere around there. I saw it was 2009, but okay, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, 2009. A Christmas cock, called A Christmas Cocktail. And um, of course, Dave's on the cover in his in his uh, tuxedo with his cocktail glass and all that, looking very Christmassy. Um, Zach, I know you were mentioning you were just listening to it or you pulled it out or something? Yeah, I actually was listening to it just before we started this for the last hour or two, because it's, well, I have four songs. Um, maybe there's more than that out there. I don't know, but I found four and they have such a good sense of humor about them. Uh, they're, they're romantic, they're sweet, they're warm. And Dave's voice has evolved over the years. Uh, I, I remember hearing um, My My Baby's Gonna Cry and thinking that his voice sounded very flat and lifeless and thin. Uh, and that's, you know, I just love Dave, so he can do no wrong in my book. But it was good to hear how his voice has has evolved over the years and um, really sounds good. Yeah. And he well, sounds... He said he has this wonderful charm in his voice that I really like. That's a good way of putting it, a, ch a charm in his voice. Yes, that's a that's that hits it on the head. Um, mm -hmm. When the Spiritual Cowboys album came out, you know, that was the first time, you know, I we had heard Dave singing on a whole album. Right. And um, I thought he I thought he did a great job. I mean, there were some good songs on that album. And, and yeah, there are. And um I, I've never had any issues with his voice. I've always thought it was great. I mean, I'm used to listening to artists that, you know, don't have traditional voices so there you go <laughs> maybe it's also because he was paired with annie who's so you know phenomenal um yeah. you were saying it was kind of flat on baby's gonna cry but maybe that was the intent you know because it's kind of a sarcastic song it may be maybe baby's <laughs> gonna cry you know like like i don't care you know maybe i um, have to just say that his his christmas songs are are really charming and delightful they are and i'm gonna add them into my mixes because they are worth checking out for any Eurythmics fans who don't know his Christmas songs. I'm with Zach. I've only heard a handful, uh, but it was a complete album. And what this was, Dave did this as he sent this out to friends and family or whatever. Right. And CD. And I think um, 
Steve Gaylor, is, who we all know, is great, has it in his collection, and you can go on the Ultimate Collection website and see it. Yeah. But it did have 10 tracks. Yeah, all I, have, of I have the CD as well. Oh, do you? Yeah. Do you? Wow. I got I, it. They're original songs. They're not covers. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but the, the album has some original songs, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. The, I mean, I've I, only heard original uh, right. songs of Christmas but by Dave. Covers on the album, like Christmas, the Christmas song and White Christmas. Oh, he does those? Okay, okay. I didn't and hear the, those. The one I have, it comes in a nice little collection. It's like a, it's like a box that opens up and it's, it's almost like a little present like type thing. It's a promo. Did you, he send it to you because Dave didn't send me a friends and family CD. No, no, I got it on eBay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've been doing Eurythmics video visionaries for a while. I thought maybe he sent it to you. Yeah. So. yeah if you're listening, Dave, you know, how come you didn't send it to me? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, Dave. <laughs> but anyways, no. And if, if if anybody can get a hold of that, or find it, or get a copy of it, or, or even listen to it at Steve's site or something, it's definitely worth listening to. And um, like you said, Zach, charm. It's charm, charming. That's he a has great a way to put it. Way of making music. I love his music, actually. Yeah. And the new album he released last year is so phenomenal. Yeah, Ebony yeah. McQueen. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that I think of. You know, because Dave recorded those. And it's one of the things that even I go back and like, I wish Dave and Annie had just got together from time to time and just done a, a Christmas album and not a Christmas album, a Christmas single or something, thrown it out there to us, you know, online or something. That would have been hey, fun. Never say never. Say never. So if you're listening, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, so Dave even has some, some Christmas stuff. He did a, uh, I guess he, uh, I guess he he did it so let's say dave did a christmas album a year before annie did a christmas album hey oh okay right right <laughs> and speaking annie. of annie's christmas album and i know mark has just been waiting to talk about this because he loves this album. i love this album zach loves this album um so a christmas cornucopia mark just start talking <laughs> it, it's a masterpiece yeah and that's i've said that over and over I know some people don't agree with me, and I know some people do agree with me. I agree with you. Uh, it's an absolute masterpiece. And mm -hmm. I say that for a lot of different reasons, because there are a lot, and I mean a lot, of really bad Christmas albums out okay. there. And a there's lot. a Yeah, there's a reason for it, because, and you can see this, you don't have to take my word for it, anytime that there's a hot new band or a hot new singer, the the record companies will push them into the studio for maybe a week, a couple of days and say, quick, record a Christmas album. And so we can take in a lot of money because people will buy it because you're the hot new singer. Mm -hmm. the, the, the record shelves have been littered with them and they're all awful. They're right. all terrible. They've got session musicians. No one cares what they're doing. And the reason Annie's is a masterpiece is not just the songs she chose, which are fantastic, not just her delivery, which is fantastic, but that she spent a year on this. She spent, she did a Christmas album and she treated it as if it was any other kind of album that she'd be doing and that, you know, she was going to spend the right amount of time on it. She was going to go in depth on these ancient, some of them ancient carols that she was going to do that she loved that were in her you know, soul, and everything she did on that album speaks to me. It absolutely speaks to me. And I think her delivery, uh, the way she changed up some of the melodies on them, the, her delivery, we'll talk about some of the individual songs, I'm sure. But um, I just think it's one of the best things she's ever done. Yeah, um, it's, it's and, a masterpiece of arrangement, of mm -hmm. um, instrumentation, and, and vocally. It's, it, it's just... Like you said, Mark, it's it's like no other Christmas album you've heard. It's and it has dark elements and it has um, happy elements. And I, and I have to say, it's not a party album. It's not no. the kind of Christmas album that you can put on at a Christmas party. And well, I, and, and, and and I mean that in a good way, you know. Unless it were a very elegant Christmas party. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A very elegant, sophisticated, highbrow intellectual Christmas party with really good food. <laughs> right. You can read some, you know, if you read a negative review of it, 
uh, you often hear that, well, you can't put this on at a Christmas party uh, kind of thing. Well, you know, me, for me, music is to be heard. Right. And I the idea of people who play music lightly in the background. Music's not for the background. Music's to be heard. Right. And, you know, you this her album is not a background thing. It's not, you know, pretty little music and little sounds. It's it's all in. And it's and, and there was some criticism that her voice was too loud, that she was shouting. That's not that. That's these songs are these many Christmas carols are written written. I mean, to it's exaltation. It's read the lyrics. There are exclamation points at the end of stanzas. It's a it's supposed to be loud. It's supposed to be uh, with exaltation. You know, it's supposed to be. And she did. She delivered them the, the way they were supposed to, that they're supposed to be. And this is definitely know. the most choral album uh, she's ever done, eurythmics or otherwise. I mean, it's so voice forward and she's really staying very faithful to the me melodies and the traditional sounds of these songs. Um, and I, I find it kind of sacred in how she's approached it. It's, it's really special and it's so, I mean, I just feel like it's so steeped in really beautiful, rich tradition here. Um, and, you know, if you put it next to any other modern contemporary Christmas album by a popular artist, they're so commercial, you know, they're so uh, disposable. Bland. This feels like a work of art. Exactly. And it's, it's something that's so other otherworldly because I was actually surprised at how religious uh, she decided to approach this album. Rather than, there's no Frosty the Snowman on no. here, you know? No, and, and I have to say, it was a bit jarring for me to hear Annie Lennox singing the words, Jesus Christ, and all these very religious things, you know? It was like, you're not, you're not used to hearing that from, from her. And, and at one point in the 80s, she said, I'm done with religion yeah. after her first divorce. Remember this? Yeah. It was in People magazine and everywhere. I'm, I'm taking a sabbatical from religion. And I thought, oh, okay. And then, and then this came out years later, decades later. Well, she even she even talks about it in the liner notes that she is that she's not religious. She's she's not Christian. You know, she does. She has no religious beliefs and she delivers these songs, which are very sacred, which are very, of course, connected to Christianity. Right. Well, that's and, what they are. They're religious songs. I mean, that's and that's the way they should be treated. Sorry. And and. And but she, but that's what I think uh, is is also really great about this. It's clear that these songs are that mean a lot to her. That they are Christmas songs to her in the sense of that she heard them, possibly performed them, sang them as a kid. And and Rex, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, and I don't know if Zach would want to talk about this, but you know there are there are hymns that I grew up with as a kid and that I used to play on the piano all the time. Um, and, and, the, and these remind me of that in the sense of, um, you know, hymns and these Christmas carols are just beautiful music. Oh, you know, yeah. these crafted songs, right. you know, and they, they have such emotion in them. Whether or not you are connected through them religiously or not, exactly. they're great songs and these carols are part of that. And it's something that she clearly grew up with. And she probably still sings today. My guess is that little snippet we heard on that flexi disc, Annie, Annie would sing that at Christmas time. I can see her mm -hmm. well, singing. Oh, sure. and, that's, and that's the power of music. I mean, you can be agnostic or non-religious and go into a church and hear these songs and be moved. Oh, the yeah. same the and you don't have you don't have to be religious you don't have to be whatever it's the power of the music and the and the and the and the and the singing that moves you and that's what she's doing with this album too i mean she literally blows the i mean blows the roof off i mean the end of um the end of as joseph was a walking oh my the, gosh with that hallelujah that extended hallelujah it's so incredible it explodes into a into a choral hallelujah at the end like you're in a church and the organs are 
I mean, it's just beautiful. It's unbelievable. It is so epic sounding. It's incredible. And I've never heard as Joseph was a walking before. I, I'm yeah, unfamiliar with some of these songs, but they're obviously very old and famous and from whatever countries they all came from. I have to, I appreciate the fact that she exposed us to some songs we hadn't heard before. Like for me, uh, In the Bleak Midwinter was, was a song I was not familiar with. And I absolutely love that song. And those lyrics are just amazing. Uh, Earth stood that- hard as iron, water like a stone. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, and and and, and you, you were saying, you know, all the voices there, and she did all of, you know, her vocals. There's no other voice on these al- on that album, other than Annie Lennox. But there are a lot of voices. There's it's a the lot African of African children's choir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that well, that's right. That's right. Sorry, I meant. Yeah, I, I guess I'm with, as a... with a slightly off kilter sound. You know, in that song, when you when you think you're going to hear the the children's choir, you think you're going to hear this like, ooh, you know, this this. But when you hear it, it's it's a little it's a little off kilter because of the subject of the song as well, right? But um, and it but it works. But I think some people might be taken aback by it because it's not the traditional choral sound. You know? Yeah, well, two or three of the tracks, I think. Uh, but uh, and the one that strikes me too, um, you know, is the uh, Lule Lule, uh, the Kevin to Carol which famously was on the A Very Special Christmas album, the first one, and Alice Moyet does a beautiful version of it. Annie's version is 360 degrees different than anyone. It's it's darker. Very dark. I mean, the subject matter is dark. It is. It has to be the darkest carol, I think, of all time. It's about the, you know, King Herod's massacre of the children and and all of that tragedy. I mean, that's not feel good Christmas music but it's but it's but it's powerful it's historic it's biblical it's phenomenal and in her hands it's something very special and I like that her take was on it was that she 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 looked at it as that dark you know those drums that 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 she took that and turned it she didn't turn it on its head really but I mean that is the subject matter and that she looked at it more of a you know that she took that the the bad thing the, the bad things that were happening to children in Africa and stuff, and then she took that and said, "I'm going to use this as a modern metaphor." Mm, um, right. Uh, I just think that's one of the best things there. But again, you know, this is not necessarily an album you play at a party. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, after Winter Wonderland, and put a little love in your heart for that. I think when Annie Lennox said, I'm going to do a Christmas album, everyone thought, oh, we're going to get 10 really good Winter Wonderland mm-hmm. times. With, with, with dreamy vocals and all that, and that's not what we got. <laughs> could have done that, and it would have been really huge, without any doubt. I think this was a good, this was a, a good seller, but I mean, I think it could have been huge. But we got something, I think, that is all Annie Lennox very very smart very intelligent very well done and i pulled up some reviews and i wanted to read stuff from them slant magazine said for an artist who's most famous only it says in parentheticals contribution to contemporary holiday music is eurythmics synth pop rendition of winter wonderland annie lennox is a christmas cornucopia is surprisingly non-secular there's no mention of Santa Claus, no talk of sleigh rides or snowmen. Eleven of the album's twelve songs revolve around Jesus Christ's birth, which purists will say is the way it should be. Right, and it, that's Christ- what Christmas is about. Yeah, and rather than record a predictable pop holiday album, Lennox draws on both folk traditions and the ancient histories she claims these songs carry with them with its mix of choral arrangements and what sounds to these ears a heck of a lot like auto-tune, God rest you merry gentlemen, marries the tradition, traditional with the modern in a daring and ultimately very successful way. Lennox's commitment to the material is palpable. Um, uh, I, I'm gonna read some other reviews too, but let's talk about that a minute. A lot of people commented on uh, Winter Wonder, uh, I'm saying Winter, uh, God rest you, Mary, gentlemen, with the, uh, you know, the overdubs with the, if you want to call it auto-tune, or I, I'm not sure if that's, but I always said, 
that was for effect. It was quite exactly. clear it was for effect. Right. Uh, listen to the rest of the album. She doesn't need auto-tune. She was using that as effect. It was supposed right. to be... It was only for a brief, brief moment, you know? It's not like... Yeah. It was, yeah. She does a lot of those effects and things and songs that, that seem to sometimes turn people off, you know? I remember there was a lot of um, angst about the in womankind you remember that a lot of fans were had issues with that it was like <laughs> i liked it i mean it's it's, it's listen percussion you know andy lennox has always been on the edge of experimental and i i like that about her it's right. what gives her some sort of very special edge and I look for that. I actually look for what she's going to bring that's sort of out of the ordinary to a song or a performance. And it's, it's, it's what makes her so special and captivating. And, you know, every song on this album is captivating. And, you know, one by one, uh, you know, to take it as a whole might be a lot for some people. Um, because it is so rich, it can be, it's almost like a very heavy dinner uh, where you're having all these sauces and everything's very rich and extremely delicious. Um, I, I rarely listen to it as a whole until recently. Today, I played it nonstop in anticipation of our podcast. I listened to it nonstop. I was doing everything around my place and uh, I couldn't get enough of it. So now I'm completely in love with it, of course. Um, but, but I have to say my first listen, I wasn't uh, a thousand percent in, I, I was wild about, uh, by the way, the CD is a totally different track listing than the vinyl. Um, the vinyl side one starts with God rest ye merry gentlemen, and side two starts with angels from the realms of glory. So depending on what format you have, the track listing is going to be different, but, um, I was familiar with angels from the realms of glory being the first track. Yeah. which blows you away. I mean, it is so phenomenal. And she actually sang it live. I remember yeah. seeing um, a concert in Washington, DC, the Obamas were there. It was and the she Christmas sang that live. At Rockefeller Center, YouTube. I think. Yeah, yeah it's, it's phenomenal. And then God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen just blows the roof off. Right. And then after that, the album gets quiet and it takes some really unusual turns and it gets kind of subtle in places. And some of the songs are less familiar, um, but it's a powerhouse track one and two with those two. Exactly. So are, are you guys familiar? You know, she did Angels from the Realms of Glory, but I knew it as Angels We Have Heard on High. I think Angels from the Realms of Glory is the original lyric. Probably English, probably the original English. Probably it is. Changed. And but, things but, change. But you're aware of the Angels We Have Heard of on course. High. Of Sweet course. Sweet singing or the place. And the, even the lyrics are different. It's oh, true. Yeah. yeah. And the lyrics for God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, the, the song was written in 1650, uh, have changed over the centuries. And, um, but I, I really think God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen is such a unique Christmas song. And it has that great darkness about it. And the melody is so minor key, which she's always loved and been and the about. Mid the Middle Eastern feel, of course, bringing in- like Bringing that in. Bring in and, like references to Islam and and things like that and the Ulations. How about the Ulations in the background? These these where she's going. It's incredible. The, yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's and the it's video daring. is uh, as a tour de force. Also, all this album art that was created feels like William Blake or Courier and Ives. I mean, it's so steeped in tradition and rich history. The, the whole thing was thought through so well. Let's yeah, that is. Yeah, that video is the bomb. I mean, that I, I love. It's. I just always said it's a Victorian Christmas card come to life. It's just. Oh, it is. It's one of her best videos. Oh yeah, if, if not her best. <laughs> yeah. It's it's tremendous. Yeah, it's tremendous. Let's 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 talk about Silent Night because we have we have some things we want to talk, we say about Silent Night. But and, let me just say that the when I first heard Silent Night, I thought. It starts out very, very slow, very calm. And you're thinking you're, you're going to hear the same old version of Silent Night. And uh, true to Annie, I mean, it, it, it builds and builds and builds. And then, you know, it becomes, it transcends itself. And I just mm -hmm. think it's wonderful. But, and, and we got to, 
very special person on our podcast today about Silent Night. And soon, I, I, somehow I learned this from you, Zach, along the way. But tell us why Silent Night means a lot to you because there's a family connection, which is just fascinating. Tell us about that. So my ancestor is Franz Gruber. My name is Zach Gruber. And so in 1820, Franz X Gruber, my first name is spelled with an X, by the way, Zach is spelled X-A-Q-U-E, which is derived from Xavier. Um, and so Franz X Xavier Gruber, um, probably named after St. Francis Xavier, he wrote Silent Night in a small chapel in Austria in 1820 for midnight mass because the organ was broken. And in those days, the Catholic church only would allow an organ or a piano to be played at the mass, nothing else. Well, he played guitar. So uh, he was probably the Dave Stewart of his day. And he just pulled out the guitar after midnight mass and said, for anyone who would like to stay, we haven't been able to do any music, uh, but I will play a song that I've just written for us for tonight. And in the congregation that night was, uh, you, you know, like in the Von Trapp family in Sound of Music. Um, so there were these singing families that would travel around Europe singing at festivals. They didn't have radio then. So that's how music was uh, brought around the world. These families would, who were singing groups would travel to different villages and have these music live performances and everyone would come and they'd hear what they had to sing. And they said, we'd like to incorporate Silent Night into our program that we sing around Europe. And he wrote down the sheet music and gave it to them. They were called the Reiner family. And they actually brought it to Manhattan, to the Trinity Church, which is still in Manhattan and sang it there for the first time in the United States. And it was written in German, it was Stille Nacht. So, Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, Alle schlaf, einsam wach. The German version is so beautiful. It makes me cry. It makes my heart, my entire being becomes a melted jelly. <laughs> it's so beautiful to hear it in the native language it was written, but it's been translated into every language. And I'm so proud that this is a, a song from my family tree. And you know, it's brought tremendous peace to people all over the world. Doesn't matter what religion they are. Uh, even in World War I, the troops in the trenches called a truce on Christmas Day and they got together, the enemies, and sang Silent Night together. It, it's, it's a very famous documented thing. And yeah. honestly, I do feel like Silent Night is this just universal lullaby of heavenly peace. And it just brings you such serenity and peace mm -hmm. all through your whole body as you hear it. So what, Zach, what is that song in the public domain or do you, or do you, is it still owned by your? It, well, at, it basically, or? the law is after 90 years, uh, something goes in public domain. So Silent Night is a little over 200 years old. So that's with any music. So like Sweet Dreams after 90 years goes public domain. Yes. In fact, this year, the song, um, it had to be you, you know, that song, it had to be you became yeah. public domain. Wow. Um, Happy birthday to you became public domain this year. It's hard to believe, but these songs, you know, after many decades, they, it reverts to public. So domain. public domain means, means an artist can record it without permission or something. Just do it. Uh, yeah, actually. And you don't have to pay right. all the royalties and it, 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 it. You have to be very careful, like even with Christmas carols, if somebody might do uh, their own uh, melody to a song, even Silent Night, you can't copy their exact melody and stuff. You have to be very careful about that. So but what did it mean to you? Do you think about this, about your family heritage when you hear Silent Night? And when I do. I feel like all of the spirits of my ancestors inside of me, it's so incredible, especially when I do hear the German song, which is not often. Um, but I, I love Annie's version on this. And it's it's so, um, like you said, quiet and it builds with the children's choir coming in. It never goes loud or over the top or, you know, fireworks. She keeps it very controlled and, and sacred sounding. And I, 
you know, so many artists have done their own versions. Beyonce did a version a few years ago where she gave herself a writing credit. I was like, what? <laughs> um, but I don't know, maybe she does a new rap in it or something. I don't know what she did. <laughs> but Stevie Nicks, of course, has her version on a very special Christmas. And um, uh, and that's very different. So, uh, you know, in, in different artists, the songs take on different shapes. And I do love what Annie's done here. I, I can find no fault in A Christmas Cornucopia. It's it's such a special album. And and I think it's grown on me so much more over time. Yeah. I, I want to consider... Re- Sorry, Mark, go ahead. Go ahead, Rick. Oh, I almost consider Cornucopia and Nostalgia as kind of like bookend albums because they're both sort of like these vocal... Well, to me, Nostalgia is, 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 is just a vocal masterpiece. I mean, it's a masterpiece of arrangement and vocals and... For me personally, I think it's the best vocal work put on record by Annie Lennox. But I consider these albums sort of bookends. They're they're similar in that they were they're both covers of songs. Mm-hmm. One is Christmas, one is you know standards. But it fits very nicely into her catalog. And and you know, like and, we've been saying, I mean, there's there's such an artistry to this. It's not just a tossed off thing. And, and you know, Annie has only released six solo albums. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think right three of them all covers. Three of them original. Am I right? Yeah. Well, yeah. We have I mean, I'm, not count, I'm not counting the piano album she did a few years ago. Um, but yeah, so six vocal solo albums. Yeah. Yeah. Let me read some more of these other reviews. This is all music said Annie Lennox considered a Christmas cornucopia with the intuitive care and devotion her other studio albums reflect. And it goes on to say, Textures and atmospheres are the name of the game in these interpretations, and they're employed in unusual ways. Note the Middle Eastern Eastern rhythms and uh, on God Rest You Married Gentlemen that collide, albeit harmoniously, with Celtic pipe, flute, and accordion sounds. It's a fantastic track, and it goes on to talk about other um, standouts. And it says in the end, this reviewer says, it's worth noting that A Christmas Cornucopia is a real contender for best Christmas album of 2010. Um, Pop Matters said um, 2009's crop of Christmas albums were atypically a mixed bag, encompassing the good, Tori Amos, Stings, The Bland, Neil Diamond's A Cherry Cherry Christmas, and The Plain Ugly, Bob Dylan's Christmas in the Heart. And it goes on to say, although it has some significant problems, and they don't say exactly what, Annie Lennox's A Christmas Cornucopia looks likely to be one of the year's superior offerings. Um, With significant and, problems, though. <laughs> yeah, so I've presented a bona fide artistic statement rather than a commercially motivated cash in. So uh, and the New York Times said uh, Annie Lennox is robustly reverent on A Christmas Cornucopia, putting the full and frequently rough power of her voice behind some of the sternest old carols, like a full Christmas banquet, it's lavish and heartily over the top. I think you also referred to it, Zach, as a a banquet or something to that effect. But uh, I think it was, you know, well, very well received. You can go and read the reviews, you know, on Amazon or something, and most of them are five-star reviews. Um, Let's talk real quickly, though. You know, it came out in 2010, and it got that great uh, 10th anniversary reissue uh, a couple of years ago for the 10th anniversary, which included the sort of lost track of Dido's Lament. And there is some criticism if you go through the Amazon reviews of people like, what's this song about death in the middle of this? <laughs> but I'll, gosh, that's such a beautiful song too. I, I, mean, I have to say, Dido's Lament is just about the best thing I've ever heard by her. <laughs> It is so phenomenal. And I remember when this came out the 10th anniversary and I went, oh, and, and there's a new track. And Dido's Lament sounds almost like nothing else on this album. Um, but, I, but, I, but I like that actually, because she's bringing, here she has an opportunity to bring a new song in and she's not bringing in something that's in the least bit feel good, but it is so, uh, it, it, you can't listen to this and not be sort of just 
overwhelmed with emotion and and sort of shattered. I, I played it actually for some very jaded friends of mine. And I said, oh, Annie Lennox has a new song. Let's listen to it. We were quiet in a room together and they said, oh yeah, let's play it. And I played it and they just sat there, you know, and they just kind of sank and they just started crying. And then I just started crying. And then, and then the song ends and you just feel like you've been through something so powerful and, and, and from another planet. I mean, honestly, big, big applause, Annie, because yeah, okay. this is, first of all, talk about expanding the definition of what a Christmas song is. This is uh, from an opera written ages, maybe, I don't know, centuries ago. Um, yeah. I did the research on the actual origin of Dido's Lament. This is an obscure piece that she pulled out from classical opera and and made it hers and it's so haunting and it's not it, even a, it's not even really a christmas song is it no it's not, oh, it's not. no mm -mm. Uh, no and, and i think there's that's some that's some criticism from some people and like it doesn't fit and i, I will say this um I, I i didn't like that when they redid the album for the 10th anniversary and they added it i didn't i, I think the placement could have been different for me, I would have put it as the last track. That's what I would have done. Well, it is but, the last track on the vinyl. On the vinyl, yeah. Yeah, it's so, because they all got different. Uh, I don't know why the CD version changed. And if you look on iTunes, on the on the track listing on iTunes. Where is it? Universal Child is the first song. Yeah. Oh. Raced You Mary Gentleman. And Dido's Lament is one, two, three, four, five, six. The seventh song. That's so very I, unusual. They up, they changed them all, and I understand why you would have to do it on vinyl because you'd have to figure out the, where to put the songs because you know you only have so it's much time. Perfect at the end. Yeah. yeah, it's perfect at the end, and I think they should have. Uh, I think they should have done that the entire time, just like Universal Child was the last song on the original album because it needed to be. It didn't fit the mood of the others right uh, we should mention that there is an original song on a christmas corny cubby which is universal child um and uh, i think there's there's a really good remix to it too you can just totally really? change it. yeah oh yeah it's totally you know nice little uh upbeat dancey little time i've not heard that oh i gotta I've not heard that either huh. it, it's 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 it gives it a whole new vibe just as it would but yeah. You know, Universal Child, I didn't, if you'd stuck that in the middle uh, of a Christmas cornucopia, I don't think it would have fit well, but it, well, it ends. And it is in the middle on the vinyl. <laughs> yes. It's right but, right in the middle. Well, actually, it's the last song of the first the song. The last song after Silent Night on yeah. side one. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, I, I was so, again, because I love this album, but, and I've got the original vinyl, which was a green cover, which was cool. And then that they came out with the red and yeah. and here in the states uh, there was the red digi pack digi, digi pack in the first uh, offering and you could only get it at Starbucks. Uh, oh really? And, oh right, had, yeah. So and you know there've been several singles from it. I think in England, the Holly and the Ivy was a single, and of course I find the Holly and the Ivy, which is a great song, of course, is an odd choice for a single. It feels random. Like, I'm not quite sure why they felt that was a single. To me, uh, Angels from the Realms of Glory is the obvious single, and that was never released as a single. Right. And those uh, two that you just mentioned are kind of, you know, there's nothing really dark about them. They they could they can be a single that you hear on the radio or something like that. So, yeah, it, it is odd that... I mean, I can see why Holly and the Ivy would be chosen, but but I kind of agree with you, Zach, that Angels might have been a better... You know, something I, I listened to this album so many times today that um, I'm always thinking of pastry. I don't know why. I love fresh baked things. But I, I found this album to be sweet and savory, sweet and savory. Like the songs, she did a really nice job, at least on the vinyl here, with the sequencing of the track order, because you go from something very sweet to something very dark and, and rich, and then something much lighter, like the first Noel, and then something like... Il est nella enfant. I don't know how to say that. I'm not French. Um, but that song is dark. Okay. And it starts very, actually, it starts sort of um, 
it reminds me of some like darker eurythmic stuff in a way uh it, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's about the birth of, of jesus so yeah yeah <laughs> um but so yeah so it kind of has this nice balance of of sweet and savory throughout right. and uh a few years after Christmas Cornucopia was released, I went to this private little LA concert that Ellen Green was giving. Do you know Ellen Green? Mm -hmm. She was um, the uh, girl, the lead in, um, oh, what's that movie called? Uh, the, the mean green monster from outer space, Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Oh, okay. Ellen Green and Little Shop of Horrors. She was in Pushing Daisies. She was in a lot of great uh, musicals. Anyway, she had a Christmas album and she covers Universal Child on it. And oh, I was wow. so, uh, and she did it live. And I was so impressed because I I didn't know Universal Child struck such a wide chord with people. Um, I know it was a single, but, and I did see Annie singing it on talk shows. Yeah. So maybe through that, um, but I didn't hear it on the radio. No. But when I heard Ellen Green singing it, it made me feel very happy that it connected with other artists. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that someone had covered that though. No, That's... I didn't either. We'll have to go check that out. Look now up, look, look up Ellen Green's Christmas album. She also does Silent Night in German, which is very nice. Um, I always thought too that um, uh, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem, that Annie did that really well. She changed up a lot of the melody on it. And I thought she added her own touch to that. I thought that might could have been a single. But you know, the thing is a few years ago, you would have heard a lot of these songs more on radio um christmas songs on radio now are very frosty the snowman and, and Harry. yeah cocktail twins did a really great version of frosty the snowman so oh i love their version yeah but i mean so you you hear more of those you do not hear more of the religious songs um and so i think that would be part of that but you know again i love that album i play it you know I don't play it all year long. I do it on purpose. You know, I, want, I start early and I do play it a lot at Christmas time. But um, I just think um, she did such a great job of that. And um, it's a it's a it's a masterpiece, like we said. And anybody who maybe hasn't heard it or doesn't or hasn't heard the whole thing should definitely go out and pick it up. I know we're, we're talking to a fan community that that has it and all that. But, you know. I'm hoping that a lot of other people are listening to our podcast now because of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and because there's uh, so much online interest in Eurythmics right now. So, and our podcasts have gone up in in uh, listens. So yeah, anybody out there who, who hasn't heard this whole album, uh, go get it. I, I do think that um, the 10th anniversary edition, it, it, it also got to a lot more fans again or a lot more listeners again. Yeah. Uh, so that push again brought it back to the forefront for a little while. But, uh, you know, it was the original was in stores for two or three years afterwards. You know, it was you'd go into Target or wherever, you know, two or three years later and you still see a Christmas cornucopia. So, you know, uh, Annie believe, Gravitas, you know, and a Christmas album from Annie was. Yeah. I believe deal. Christmas cornucopia will in, in, in the years to come will grow in stature and become more and more recognized as the masterpiece that it is. I agree. I agree. I don't think the world. I don't think the world's quite ready for it yet. Give it, <laughs> give it twenty years or so, you know, or maybe another ten years or something. Maybe um, they'll get sick of Mariah Carey and then move on to this. Yeah, then Annie well, will become the queen of Christmas. I would I like. Think, that. Oh, she's born on Christmas. We didn't mention that. Oh yeah, happy birthday to Annie on Christmas. Yes. But I think if you grew up with these carols, and if you grew up with you know these kind of Christmas carols that 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 she did, that. Um, I think they touch you. They, they mean a lot. Um, and you mentioned Elaine A. And I knew that song. The first time I'd heard it was uh, there's a great Christmas concert at Disneyland and at Walt Disney World uh, that they do a great reading of the Christmas story and with and then interspersed with uh, live singing. And that's one of the songs they did. And that's I knew it before Annie did it. I knew it from that. So I, I hadn't heard it anywhere else. But it's a beautiful song and Annie does it, you know, but as it does it as a great job. And I don't know, there's not a song on Christmas Corny Copia that I, that I don't like. As I said, I know people are tired of hearing Mark talk about. No. About the Christmas well, Corny. on that note, we have to kind of wrap up. So wrap it up. I, I, and I'll take on that it. Note, we kind of have to wrap it up. <laughs> take it. 
Okay. The whole yeah. world's hearing. Well, the whole world heard Zach sing and, and you sang quite nicely. When you you thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> Honoring my ancestor. You didn't tell me thing, so I didn't ask either, did I? <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. No, but thank you, Zach, for joining us. It was so much fun. Um, what an honor and a pleasure. And, and honestly, please come back a and lifelong Eurythmics and Annie Lennox lover. So it's I'm in the perfect place here with you guys. Well, and please come back and do another one with us. You know, we've told everybody that's done podcasts with us, let's do another. And, you know, they're probably like, oh, I'd love to. But yeah, we probably should reach out to people, too, and say, hey, we want you back. So <laughs> we'll make sure to do that. We've only done 20 total. We've only and we've got 21 coming soon with a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recap for all of us that were there in person. Oh, cool. So, um, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll share some inside info. We actually recorded it last week, had a big glitch, and now we have to redo it. So stuff happens. <laughs> so we actually already did it. So don't think we're late on it. We just had a glitch. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Rex. And uh, uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, yes, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you, Rex. And happy and birthday to Annie. I love That's all you Eurythmics fans out there. Mwah. Great. Me and too. Annie and Dave. <laughs>